Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton, here today with Rich Mata. Rich is a data privacy advocate and CEO of Reputation Defender, the largest and most prominent firm in the field of online reputation management and privacy. He regularly consults with high-profile individuals, executives, public figures, and businesses to build positive online reputations and suppress unwelcome and defamatory information online. Rich, welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Fred. Rich, for those who may not know, Please tell us about your company. Sure. So Reputation Defender has been around since 2006. And really, our entire the entire theme of the company, our, our reason for being here is to help professionals and executives take back control of how they appear online. That manifests in a couple different ways. One is about online reputation. And so that's typically how you appear on Google and in other search engines when people look you up. It could be you, it could be your business. Um, And then the other is online privacy. And so online privacy is more about all the personal information that's floating out there about every one of us that can be used for good practical reasons, but can also be misused by people that are looking to uh, attack you in the physical world or or threaten you um, and also to compromise your your cybersecurity. In fact, that area is really been the area that's been exploding of late. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's, it probably says more about the state of the world than it does about anything we've done. But you know, we've definitely seen over the last year, couple years, uh, real growth in that area. Um, in fact, I noticed in your center's study, the survey that was conducted recently, 71% of security leaders say that their companies have seen a dramatic increase in physical threats since the beginning of last year, 2020. And that's definitely... That definitely corresponds to what we've been seeing at Reputation Defender in terms of uh, just a a massive increase in interest in in controlling personal information that's floating around on the internet. Well, thank you for that. Uh, We're proud of that uh, survey, and it's gotten a lot of traction. We have many executive protection professionals that listen to our podcast, as you can imagine, just with the center. So tell us how your service can help protect CEOs and executives. Sure. So um, I can sort of walk you through the process. If an executive team is signed up, typically a company will sign up top five or 10 or or 20 or 100 executives, depending on their size and how many people near the top are potentially the subjects of threats. And that may have a lot to do with what the company does. Uh, Certain fields are more controversial and more exposed to to the general public. And so those companies will tend to protect more individuals. So you sign them up and they're introduced to a privacy concierge from our team. And that privacy concierge helps walk them through the onboarding process. We have an online portal um, where you can enter a bit of profile information. Not a lot. This is going to be publicly the same sort of publicly available uh, personal information that can already be found 
you know, ad infinitum on the web, right, across these 100 plus people search sites and data brokers that we typically monitor. And so though your entering of that information in a secure way helps us. It's, those are the keys for our searches on the internet to help us go out and, and scour all of these people search sites that we know about and others that we don't know about yet to find your personal information and get it removed. And so after about a few weeks, you know, each covered executive will receive a, a scan report. Sometimes it's the teams that are taking care of them that we work directly with. And that scan report will help them confirm, yep, we found all the right records and this is the volume and this is how all the information breaks down, You know, whether it's names, uh, relatives and children's names, addresses, email addresses, phone numbers, and even some crazy things that you wouldn't expect, like the answers to common password reset questions. Your mother's maiden name, that's very easy to find on the clear web, or your father's middle name, or the street where you grew up, which is very likely the street where your parents still live, right? Which is a very easy to find piece of information. So we report back everything we found in these custom reports. And of course, you can, you're notified of that, the client will download that report, and they'll confirm it. And then we go off and we actually remove all that information. Most people are not surprised that we can find the information. That's a that's a hard job. We've built a lot of tools, technology, and we have a lot of knowledge uh, that we built up over many years in the company to, to be able to find the most possible information about all of our clients. But But actually removing it is something people don't realize you can do. And in fact, there is no federal legislation, privacy legislation in the US today that forces it. But most of these people search sites and data brokers uh, want to avoid further regulation and legislation. And so if you're among the smartest, you know, sort of most proactive set of people that's actually going to take the time to request an opt out, then they will respect it. And especially if you jump through all the hoops and intentionally obtuse steps that they put you through, which we know how to do, um, you can get opted out. And so the end result of this service is, you know, mass removal of personal information across the internet, thereby greatly reducing risk for covered execs. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Rich, I've done lots of investigations over the years, and the attack cycle always begins with pre-operational surveillance. I, I learned that lesson, I'm sad to say, years ago. The first step for a threat actor starts with digital stalking. And how can you help minimize that digital stalking risk? Sure. You know, a lot of these attacks, the, the threats that our, our customers are telling us about, when they, when they end up being investigated, it's found that the attacker started with personal information. They needed to find where you live, for example. This year in particular, everybody's working from home, or many people are. And so knowing where you live is an even more dangerous element of information. And so um, we found that our customers tell us that often it started with, you know, they found our, inf our executives' personal information on a publicly available website, and that could be an email address where they fished the executive, or it could be, let's say, a home address where they showed up. And so our, our whole mantra is to be proactive about minimizing that risk. And so if we, can, if we can just remove your information essentially from the sites that show up on Google, maybe that attacker will move on to another target. You know, maybe, they, maybe they'll be frustrated and not attack anyone at all, which of course would be a much better outcome. Um, but it, you know, it's as you well know, Fred, uh, the harder you can make yourself as a target, the, the, the more risk you reduce. And, and so we're 
We look at our service as a, as a simple step that can be taken. You know, we make it simple. It's a turnkey offering to really minimize your, your executive team's risk in terms of how easy they are to be stalked or found online. And hopefully those attackers will move on to a, an easier target or stop altogether. And I'm sure, Rich, this is something you do for, for example, children of high net worth parents as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so often children are not uh, included in these people search databases because uh, for minors, they don't generate as many public records, but they're included on their parents' records. And so what you can do, typically you have to cover an executive and their spouse. Uh, and if they have adult children, you may want to cover them as well because they will individually show up as records in these databases. But uh, often the, the most important thing is to dissociate the child from their parent who is in a public facing role, maybe a controversial role, or just by virtue of being part of a large, at the top of a large company making tough decisions, you know, whether it's uh, hiring and firing, uh, layoffs, um, you know, uh, policy decisions about, you know, whether you're Videos can be monetized on a big tech platform, those sorts of things, healthcare decisions, health insurance decisions. The executive is making these hard decisions and they've made a decision to put themselves in the public arena. And they're usually okay with that. You know, they know that that comes with a bit of risk. Of course, they'd like to reduce it. But when you, when they hear about the possibility that their children might be threatened as a result of that, it's, you know, it's an awful thought. As a parent myself, I would hate to think of that. And so, this is a really important service to help just protect the whole family. Uh, we're even seeing it with uh, members of Congress right now. So a few weeks back before the Capitol Hill riots, both Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi's homes were vandalized, right? Probably they had spouses and children and you know different family members back home while they're up on Capitol Hill. And so, you know, you can see how an executive that might be traveling, that might be in the public arena, would really want to think about protecting their whole family. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about OnTech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. We are regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights, lessons learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontech.ai slash center. That's ontech.ai slash center. How do you clean up negative posts and internet comments? Well, uh, when it comes to free speech, you, you know, you can't delete it the way that you'd like to delete personal information, right? So in America, we have the First Amendment and we don't have uh, something like what they have in Europe, the right to be forgotten. And so it's really more about suppressing uh, negative posts and internet comments. I mean, unless it's a true violation of a, a company's policy. So, you know, increasingly under public pressure, the big tech platforms are expanding their policies as to what they consider threatening language or what's considered truly personal information like a social security number, an account number, that they will remove upon request. But most cases when we're talking about negative posts or internet comments, those are matters of opinion and their protected speech. 
And so you have to push it down. And the way you can push down content, negative content, is with a wave of truthful, positive content. So in our reputation management business, it's really about creating content that is specifically designed to dominate the top of Google and other search engines. Uh, over time, if we continue to create a network of content that links together and builds upon a story that is truthful and positive and, and talks about everything other than you know, the negative information that uh, has been put out there, then we can crowd out those negative posts. So they move down to the second, third, maybe further pages of Google, where very few people actually look. So the, a, a simple stat is roughly 90% of people never go past page one of a Google search, and well over 99% never go past page two. So it's really about controlling that real estate at the top of the search engines. That's most interesting. Can you also reduce adverse dark web comments? Uh, unfortunately, not. Uh, maybe there are others. I mean, I'm sure uh, you know the FBI, people in law enforcement have a greater ability to actually sort of deal with dark web issues at their source. I think that the best people can usually do about the dark web, at least as far as we know, is is really awareness. You know, knowing what the conversations are on the dark web, knowing uh, what breaches you've been included in, which is a simple thing that you can get from many places, including our platform. But really knowing that the content, monitoring the content of those discussions is super important and probably something that I, I know you guys can help with at Ontic. So, you know, when, when it comes to the dark web, by its very nature, it being a, a, a sort of place where criminals convene and share thoughts freely without as much traceability, it's much harder to get anything removed or even to think about suppression there. We really focus on awareness of the dark web and, and, and not really control because it's so hard to control. That's what makes it so scary. Yeah, very much so. Rich, where do you see digital privacy heading over the next 10 years? Well, I think we are hurtling inexorably to more privacy. You know, the rest of the world has definitely led in that direction sooner than, than the U.S. And, and, you know, we have mixed feelings about it in the U.S. I mean, we have these amazing First Amendment protections and there's a, there's a sort of bias in our laws to allow for freedom of information, to allow for competition of ideas in, in the marketplace. But it's really gone overboard and, and we're starting to see the, the tide turning. You know, there was an article in the New York Times yesterday which talked all about this crazy individual. It's called a vast web of ven vengeance. This individual who had been perceiving slights from everyone that she encountered for many years would go online and intentionally cast all these aspersions, completely false claims on sites like, you know, ripoff report where she would claim that, you know, people that she had encountered were pedophiles and fraudsters. And it was completely unfounded, but she had the power to do that for the last 20 years before it was rooted out. And that's the world we're living in. And I think Americans are starting to get smart to that and, and sort of demand more guardrails, more legislation. And, and it's, a, it's a bipartisan issue. I mean, a uh, poll that I looked at a couple of years ago, an Axios-Harris poll found 69% uh, of Americans considered data privacy to be the number one social issue that tech businesses should solve. I think that faded a little bit with uh, the pandemic. You know, we, we all sort of forked over everything we own to big tech platforms because we were so dependent on them during this time. Um, and maybe it faded a little. I haven't seen a survey from last year, but I think it's coming back um, and it's a trend. And so with the public so strongly in favor of uh, greater privacy protections, I think that we will see some sort of federal data privacy law. 
I don't know how far it'll go exactly. We've seen a law, a similar law in the state of California and other states like Texas talking about privacy laws. So we have the California Consumer Privacy Act, which passed a little over a year ago or took effect a little over a year ago here in California, which moves in the right direction. And, and for, for people like us, I think what that can do potentially is give our services, our, our offerings a little more teeth when it comes to hunting down your data and actually forcing the other side to remove it upon request. Right now, you know, we count on their goodwill. We count on their sort of business calculation that they're better off responding than not because it'll create a, a sort of uproar that might lead to even stricter regulations you know uh, but I think if we if we do have some level of privacy law at the federal level then we're going to have a lot greater ability to to actually remove more information. And I think that's great for anyone thinking about executive protection. It's still going to be a huge challenge to know where all the information lives. It doesn't solve the whole problem. I mean, these aren't platforms that you have intentionally given your data over to. In fact, most people aren't even aware of all these sites. We're talking about sites like Spokio and White Pages and Instant Checkmate, Intellius, et cetera. There's hundreds of them, right? Um, and it's not like you're getting any sort of free service from them. They're just brokering your data and a lot of times exposing it on the web for free and monetizing via ads or small upsells that might cost the price of a cup of coffee. So it's not like you're making a choice or a trade-off like you do with, say, Facebook. You know, you, I know you're using my information, but I love this free platform. Keep giving it to me for free. I mean, there, there are issues, but at least you're aware of them. I think with these sites, what's so dangerous is you don't even know where they are. And so there'll still be a great need for finding them. But if when we found them, they were under a greater obligation, a legal obligation to remove your data, which I think is coming, you know, I don't know if it'll take two years, five years or 10 years, um, then services like ours and people in, in our field, in this field, will find it much easier to, uh, to protect their clients. Well, Rich, you've got an amazing product and an amazing business. Is there anything else that you would like to chat about? Um, not really. I think, you know, I'm, I'm super impressed with what you guys have done at Ontic. And um, I think really, you know, when you come at these risks from multiple different angles, you know, with a, a comprehensive platform like Ontic can provide, and then a number of different solution providers that can add value to uh, those platforms and to your overall uh, security program. I think that's that's the holy grail, you know? Um, so I'm really excited to, to connect with you, Fred, and um, happy to be able to get this message out to, to your listeners. Well, thank you so much, Rich, for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you, Fred. It's been a pleasure. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.ai slash center. Again, that's ontic.ai slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.ai slash center for more information. And thanks for listening.